the Lord was telling me a few things during worship just to address. And it was crazy because uh, Tracy, when she got up to do, you know, the transition and the prayer, she actually hit on just about every one of them. Um, and so I knew I was supposed to go with it. Um, the first thing is um, accusation. During, uh, during worship... That's okay. During, <laughs> during worship, um, who in here sometimes gets reminded of mistakes while you're trying to worship the Lord? Anybody? Anybody else? Did, did, you, did you feel as if like, while you were trying to enter in and worship the Lord, you were reminded of that time you know, the, earlier this week when you got frustrated with your son or your spouse, or that time when you uh, did that thing that you were trying not to do? You know, does, it, does that happen to anyone? Well, he, the Lord just took me to um, that, that scene in, in uh, John 8 where... The, uh, the woman was dragged out on the streets and she was caught in the very act of adultery. And under, under the law, uh, she's supposed to be killed. And, uh, and Jesus looks at all these you know, angry teachers of the law and Pharisees who are holding stones in their hands and they're going to kill this, this girl in order to trap Jesus. And he says this, you know, famous line, whoever of you is, has never sinned, you get to throw the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, these Pharisees just drop their stones and walk away because they were just cut to the heart. And they realized that um, they had nothing over this girl. And um, my favorite part is when she, when the Lord says, where'd your accusers go? And, and she says, you know, there's none left, not one. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And, um, and I just felt like he was saying that over us tonight. That You know, when, when collectors come to try to tell you of your debts, this is something the Lord told me earlier this week. I'm going to turn it into a song. When collectors come to tell you of your debts, there's blood above the door that silences their threats. And you can just rest assured that every single one of those sins has been paid for. And he doesn't condemn you. And even, he even said that he's proud of you. And that seems like a, a weird thing for the Lord to say because it kind of involves the idea that he could be shocked at how awesome you are. How can God be surprised, right? Well, I have a scripture for you. <laughs> this is uh, Matthew 8. It's the faith of the centurion. There's this centurion who has a servant at home who's, you know, terribly, you know, suffering terribly. And, and the centurion basically says to Jesus, you don't have to come under my roof, just say the word and he'll be healed. And it says, Jesus marveled at this man's faith. You guys know that you impress him? He looks at you like I look at one of my, my own children and I, I'm just so overwhelmed by how cute and wonderful they are. Or th those times when Judah is sweet to his, his little sisters, I'm thinking, oh, you're such an awesome kid. That is what he's saying to you. And, you know, we can just break the power of the accuser right now by agreeing with his opinion of us. He really marvels at you. 
He looks at those moments when things are in, incredibly difficult, and it'd be so easy to not choose faith. It'd be so easy to not choose him. And those moments when you, you choose him, even if, even if you didn't pass the test with flying colors, if your heart's right and you chose him, and he looks at you and he marvels. The angels are completely stunned at, at a people that worship the Lord in the presence of such darkness. You know, the angels are used to glory. They, they, you know, they go in and out of the throne room. It's really easy to praise Jesus when you see him face to face. But, he, but those angels are, are literally drawn into rooms like this when we are worshiping the Lord in the presence of our problems. When we're worshiping the Lord when it's really hard to, and they are flabbergasted. They are <laughs> amazed. <laughs> flabbergasted. Um, and I had this uh, dream that's kind of vivid. Uh, um, bear with me, but there's a, someone's right eye uh, larva was being pulled out of it. Yeah, it was really disgusting. It was really, it was really vivid. But you guys think, like, if you, if you discovered that there was larva of some kind of insect in your right eye, wouldn't you want all of it out? <laughs> you would want every single bit of that nastiness out of there. And then, um, and Tracy got up and started praying, we want to see you rightly, is the right eye. We want to see him rightly. We want, and actually that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight, is, um, you know, is our, the open eyes of our hearts. We want every, every bit of the seed of the enemy pulled from our vision. There's all sorts of cool verses about you know, the eye and, and how it applies to our spiritual life. There's one that says that the eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is good, then it gives light to the whole body. It's, and it's like the windows to, to the soul. And... Um, I want to talk about spiritual sight tonight. The word prophet is actually interchangeable with the word seer. All through the Old Testament, there are actually 26 verses where the, seer, where the word seer is used instead of the word prophet. And then the Bible sums it up in 1 Samuel 9.19. Um, go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. It's 1 Samuel 9, 9. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer, for today's prophet was formerly called a seer. And so, we're supposed to have spiritual sight. And um, the Lord showed me like these a few different types of sight. Um, in the natural, I mean, these are, these are words that you guys all know. Insight, foresight, oversight, and hindsight. And I want to talk about that just spiritually speaking real quick. If, if we have spiritual insight, that means that we have great discernment. That we have the ability to find 
and give supernatural wisdom for situations that actually need supernatural wisdom. We can, we can see someone who is acting out in anger or acting out in some sort of manifestation and we, can, we would actually know the root cause. That would be insight. We would, if we saw someone acting out in anger, we could actually understand, well, it's because that person was abused when they were eight years old and They've been, you know, tricked by demons into believing that they have to protect themselves every day of their lives. And that would, that would really change your opinion of that person. Because that, if you didn't have eyes to see, you would just think, that guy's a jerk. Right? What's his problem? Well, he does have a problem. You know, he's, he's been hurt and wounded and he's, he's coping and if you, have, if you have spiritual insight, then you're able to minister the word of the Lord and bring about healing in that person's life in a very deep and quick way. Another uh, type of sight, foresight. That's the ability to communicate an event or a season that's coming. And often, if you, if you have that, that prophetic foresight in that moment, you're able to inject courage into people's hearts. You're able to inject zeal and, and just excitement about the, the adventure that's in front of them. Foresight would be like being able to see a cultural shift that's coming apart from conventional wisdom. In other words, you'd know like what the stock market's going to do even though you never read Wall Street Journal. That would be prophetic foresight. Wouldn't that be awesome? You've got it. Prophetic oversight would be able to, you'd be able to rightly identify gifts in people. Oversight would mean that you'd have um, this anointing to position people where they'd be the most successful. And then prophetic hindsight, it doesn't sound very prophetic, does it? You know, hindsight's 20-20. But um, there are people that, um, you've, you've probably heard some of them speak, they can look at history and tell you um, what was going on from heaven's perspective. Prophetic hindsight is, is the ability to see what's happened in your life or in history or in other people's lives. Interpret, you know, God's heart in that situation so that you can walk in wisdom in the future. Maybe not make the same mistakes. So if, if, we, if a prophet is a seer, what is it that we're supposed to be seeing? Where is it that we're seated right now? Based on Ephesians. We're seated in heavenly places. You know, Paul prays this awesome prayer, also in Ephesians, where he says, he says, open the eyes of their hearts and give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. They'd know the, the length, the width, the height, the depth, the love of Christ. They would know this incredible power that works in the saints. Okay, so where's, where's your heart? This is simple, not rhetorical. Where's your heart? It's inside you. <laughs> right? So if, if, if your heart has eyes, they would open up and see your lungs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a doctor or anything. I don't know if the heart's in front or behind the lungs, but you know what I mean? They'd see the rib cage if the, if the eyes of your heart opened, right? Right? Is that what Paul wants us to see? Our lungs? <laughs> 
No, we're, we're seated in heavenly places. There's another scripture out of Matthew where it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, if your treasure is in heaven, and then the eyes of your heart get opened, then you're going to see in heavenly places. Along the same lines, um, this isn't the happiest of thoughts, but it's just a, a, a true spiritual reality. If your treasure is something on earth, there your heart will be. And so if the eyes of your heart open, you'll just be eyeing that thing that you want on earth. I had a, my, my old pastor, his name is Jack Deere. Um, oh, never mind. I'm going to move on. I love that guy. What he said was wise. But um, that would just open up a bunny trail for like 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, so there are, there are all sorts of ways that the Lord speaks to us. He uses um, impressions where it's just kind of like you, you know something, but you can't really put your finger on why. You just happen to have a feeling, an inclination, a, a suspicion, you know, you, you just, it's, that's just what it is. And it's kind of like a, a low level of prophetic revelation, but it is the Lord speaking to you. And, um, you know, Jesus, he is the embodiment of the prophetic, obviously, and the apostolic, and the teacher, and the evangelist, and the pastor, but he actually had moments um, where it seemed like he was pretty much just operating in impressions, such as when the woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched the, his garment. Jesus perceived, or he translated, he knew by feeling that virtue had left him. And so he turned around and said, who touched me? He, he, just, he just had an impression. The virtue had left him. And so um, often really incredible, powerful moments from the Lord happen through something as simple as an impression. Uh, one of my mentors used to say, don't miss the supernatural by looking for the spectacular. He's speaking in subtle, amazing ways to you all the time. And a great way to, to grow in the prophetic would simply be to ask the Lord, how is it that you're speaking to me? Help me to not miss those moments. Help me to interpret your voice because he's actually speaking all the time. <coughs> the universe is held up by the power of his word. I mean, it's a continual reverberation. You, I mean, you are held together by him speaking over you. One of my favorite verses is out of Zephaniah 317, where it says, the Lord quiets you in his love and he rejoices over you with singing. He, there, I think one of the translations says he dances over you. He's like spinning over you with singing. Man, don't you think that would just undo you? If you heard Jesus singing a praise song to you, he was singing about your beauty. You know, um, if I were to tell you that you, you have to worship me, I would be like a false prophet, right? <laughs> if, I, if I needed your praise, that would make me like insecure and maniacal. <laughs> Seriously, if I, if I, 
If I needed your affirmation and your praise and you to tell me how glorious I am, that'd be twisted. So obviously, obviously God's not twisted and maniacal and insecure. So why, is it, why is it that he commands worship? It's for you. There's no greater moment for you to be sideswiped by his love than when you open your mouth and start singing praises to him. And then all of a sudden your spirit's open enough for him to sing praises back to you. He's just waiting for that moment to tell you how awesome you are. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, the Lord speaks to us in all kinds of ways. You can Physical sensations, you can smell things in the spirit, you can hear things in the spirit, you can actually, you can feel stuff, like... You can, you can actually feel what's going on in other people's bodies. Like if, if there's a problem or a pain or an injury in their body, you get close to them, you can actually feel it. Just got to pay attention. I'm serious. You can, you, the Lord will actually begin to speak to you in this way. Because He wants you to reach out your hand and heal them. Had some, I've had some pretty cool moments where the Lord let me feel the pain in someone else's body. And I said, hey, you've got um, an irregular heartbeat. And complete stranger in Walmart. She said, how, how do you know that? Said, well, the, the Lord loves you. He wants to heal you. Or, you, you know, I, you've got an a injured left shoulder. This one happened in our prophetic teams. And, and yes, and he got healed on the spot. I mean, stuff like this just happens because we're, we're more spirit than we are flesh. We're, we're designed to hear from God. The voice of the Lord. He's, at times he speaks in a still small voice. At times he speaks in an internal audible voice. And at times he speaks in a straight up audible voice. Straight up. <laughs> And it's terrifying. He'll speak in puns. There's even puns in the Bible. So now I have biblical reason for my terrible humor. <laughs> what is it about men? The older we get, the more we love puns. Never tell a pun to a kleptomaniac. They always take things literally. So too, thanks Vince, because I used to I used it the other night when Rick Pino was here and everyone looked at me like a, staring at a cow staring at a new gate or something. They just <laughs> there was no laughter. I was like I almost like said it again. I was like, did you guys uh, you see it's funny because Okay, moving on. You can see, the Lord can speak to you through visions. And this is uh, something that I want to focus on tonight. Some visions are described as glimpses into the spirit or internal visions. I've had some internal visions that have been really cool. Um, often I get internal visions when I'm given a prophetic word to someone else. I had a friend named Mike who asked me for a prophetic word. I hadn't talked to him in years. I didn't know what was going on in his life, period. But um, I just sent him back uh, uh, a prophetic word 
via Facebook, something that Paul the Apostle didn't have. Um, <laughs> And I had this little vision. I saw him moving to a new place, taking a big risk, getting a new house, and I saw him waiting on um, a mentor that, that never came. And so I texted him that. I said, I feel like uh, you and your wife just bought your first home, moved to a different city, took some big risks. You were expecting uh, a mentor, a spiritual father to move to that city, and you were really hoping to be mentored by him. But the Lord moved you there so that you could go into the wilderness and learn from him and him alone. He texted me back and he said, we just bought our first house in a new city and I moved here and with the hopes because a, a spiritual mentor of mine told me he would be in this city and he decided not to move here. Wow. His heart was healed on the spot because, holy cow, there's a God that knows me. And he, he loves me so much that he would speak to a guy in Texas about me and I live in Michigan. Another time, um, similarly, and someone else asked me for a prophetic word, and I just saw him frustrated in front of a computer, and uh, like, and I actually saw a vision in his own head where he wanted to be on the mission field, and um, and then he was actually contemplating about Texas, and so I, te I texted that to him. I said, "You're wanting to get out of your tech." technology-based career, start a business that allows you for missions travel. You've been considering moving back to Texas, but you shouldn't. He lived out in California at the time, and he wrote me back, are you kidding me, Jeremy? I've been trying to get out of my, you know, this computer-based job and start a business so that I can do missions with my church, and, and me and my wife were just praying about moving back to Texas where the job market's better. And that was, just, that was just a vision. This isn't like this moment you're like, oh, Jeremy's so cool. It's, this is, <laughs> I'm a screw-up. I'm just, I'm like everyone else in this room. This is something that the Lord has made available to every single one of us. Yeah. As the, the, the days of like superstar Christianity are over. You know, he, he loves his children so much that he could put someone up here who is living in outright sin and pour his spirit through that person because he loves his church. Being right here means nothing other than, you know, you're, you're just, you just happen to be the one getting used by the Lord in that moment. But any, any one of you, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you can operate in all of this stuff and greater. Jesus himself said, you're going to do greater things than me. Two weeks ago, I had a dream, and at the end of the dream, I was like coming out, it was, it was in that like in between sleep and awake stage, and I had this vision where my friend Joshua um, was tubing down a river, and I was tubing down a river with him with a bunch of buddies, and he was telling me some concerns. And so I texted, I, I woke up from the dream, and I was driving up to Storehouse, and I texted him, and I said, hey man, just had a dream where we were tubing down a river together, and you were worried about some stuff, yada, 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 don't worry, the Lord's got you. And he texted me back, are you freaking kidding me, Jeremy? Sorry for the freaking, but that's what he said. I'm just quoting him. Are you kidding me, Jeremy? I just got out of the lazy river at Schlitterbahn. <laughs> he was tubing down a river. <laughs> and the thing that I texted him that he was concerned about, he had actually got a phone call about the, day, the morning before at 6.30 in the morning. And he was praying about it.
You can also have open visions. Um, they're similar to an internal vision, only it's kind of like seeing a scene of a movie that's being acted out in front of you. Sometimes, sometimes the natural fades away and all you can see is like a movie into the spirit in front of you. Uh, this has happened to me. Uh, I was taken up into what I can only describe as the womb of heaven where the next generation of babies were going to be born on the earth. I saw some crazy stuff about, um, about gifts and, and callings that the Lord is placing on the earth in this generation. And then someone comes walking towards me and I, I, I realize that it's Jeremiah, li like literally Jeremiah from the Bible. And I'm thinking in the vision, no way. <laughs> is that Jeremiah? My name's Jeremy. And so I figure there's something about my name that he wants to communicate to me, and he does. And uh, he, the first thing that came out of his mouth, when uh, he, he was a gnarly looking dude, too. Just fat in the anointing, but super skinny, like Gandalf style. Just like <laughs> he like, lived under the open sun without any SPF. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, the first thing he said to me is, I, my name is Jeremiah, and I'm, I'm the weeping prophet. And it hit me. And, I, and it healed something in my heart about just, you know, the Lord using my emotions to speak to me. That I'm not actually a wuss crying at every Disney movie ever made. <laughs> So I actually came out of that vision doubting it because I'm an American with Greek thinking, you know, and the only thing that's real are tangible things. I came out of that vision and I instantly doubted it, but I went home and fell asleep and uh, had this dream where I was renaming all the streets on earth. I was just walking down these roads and there'd be like Alpha Road and I'd be like, that's Brotherly Love. That's Perseverance Parkway. That's Kindness and that's Love Road. And as soon as I would say the new name of the road, the old sign would fall down and angels would put up a new sign. And then the Lord spoke to me in my dream and he woke me up. He said, I haven't shown you everything I wanted to show you about Jeremiah. And so I woke up, I grabbed my Bible and flipped it open in front of me and lit it up with my cell phone. And it opened right up to Jeremiah. That's just where my Bible fell open. Chapter 31, and my, my phone was shining right on verse 21, where it says, set up road markers for yourself. Set up guideposts and remember the way by which you came and return to me. There's this verse out of um, Psalm 84 where it says, basically, David's, he says, in my heart are the highways to heaven. Or the highways to Zion. Which means that um, Jesus has actually placed his nature on us. He changed us the moment we believed in him. The moment that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and is going to do what he said he's going to do, you'll be changed. The minute you give, you have faith, the minute you trust him to give you a new life, you will be changed. When you receive and believe, you'll be changed. And what Jesus was, was a door. He said, I'm the gate. 
I'm the door. He's, he's the only way to the Father. He's a gate to the heavenlies. And, um, but then he goes on to say this weird thing. He says, anyone who comes in here by any other way is a thief or a robber. So he's, he's the true gate. But he actually describes that there are, there are ways into the heavenly realms aside from him that are illegal. Makes you a thief and a robber. That's a whole different teaching I'll probably actually dive into uh, this Sunday. But, um, you know, when, when Jesus went up that, that Mount of Transfiguration in Luke 9, he went up with Peter, James, and John, and he looked like he always looked. Is Jesus. They were used to seeing him every day, but when he got up on that mountain, something crazy happened, and it said his face shifted. It changed. The appearance of his face changed, and then it shone like lightning. And his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. And he was actually... What, what was actually happening is these disciples in this moment the eyes of their hearts were being opened and they were seeing Jesus for who he is. And he was a portal into this place of unapproachable light. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah were there on the mountain with him. Where did they come from? <laughs> Through him. He's the door. But he, he didn't take him up on that mountain just to say, hey, look at my glory. Look at how awesome I, am. how awesome I am. I told you I'm not just a short Jewish guy with an ugly face. I'm actually the king of glory. That's awesome, right? He didn't do that. It wasn't for that purpose. He took them up the mountain as a man so that they would know that men can walk up a mountain and be changed into the image. They can be, actually be portals to glory. They can walk up that mountain just like Jesus. Just like it says in Psalm uh, 24, who may ascend the hill of the Lord. Just like what happened in Exodus 24 when Moses went up the hill of the Lord and he came down shining. That was in the old covenant. How much more now that the Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of you? See, the reason, the reason we need our eyes open the reason we need to see is because we're the only touch point for heaven to meet earth. He changed us into his image. You guys are walking doors. You guys are portals. You guys are the place where heaven touches earth. If I told you, if I told you, you know, that stool up there was where heaven touches earth, I'd be lying. Heaven doesn't touch earth in like just general geographic location. There's not some tree that you can go up to that, that releases angels. The, heaven comes through you. I can prove this to you. Jesus said it in, in Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. When the, the Pharisees asked him, how will we know when the kingdom is coming? And Jesus says, the kingdom will not come with visible signs, like out, outward visible signs. And people will say, you know, look over there, look over here, for there the kingdom is. But don't believe them. I tell you the truth, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. So when we're opening up the eyes of our hearts within us, we're actually seeing the things of the kingdom. 
That's why, that's why deliverance is so important because the only place that hell gets on the earth is through, is through humans as well. Hell doesn't enter the earth through some scary mountain. <laughs> hell is released through people. You want to close those doors, right? That's, that's, those are some of the things that we do in, in restoring the foundations in ministry, RTF. We close those doors to the enemy because we're tired of releasing hell. Right? If not for you, do it for us. <laughs> See, we have to... There's, there's just such a huge disconnect and difference between our modern mentality and what was the biblical mentality. So visions and the, the things of the Spirit were normal. Like if you go over to Africa, if, if you get sick, they'll think, oh, he's got a demon. You know? Or if, you know, if, the, if, there's some, if someone dies in your family, it's because you open them up to a curse. Like they have this understanding of spiritual stuff. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. It's a little wonky. But, but these principles are for real. It, it, it happened in uh, Luke Chapter 1, verse 22, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, doesn't believe the word of the Lord. He goes in the temple, and an angel strikes him mute. That's terrifying, right? I thought angels were supposed to be nice. <laughs> Have you guys ever thought about that? <laughs> There's some crazy angels that can make you go mute if they, if you, they so choose. Doesn't that wig you out a little bit? I and mean, there's cool stuff in the Bible. So anyway, Zechariah comes out of the temple and he can't talk. And everyone's first reaction was, oh, he saw a vision. In America, we'd be like, get the man a lozenge. You know, he needs to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor right now, ASAP. <laughs> But in the Bible, they're like, oh, he, he must have seen a vision because his ability to speak is gone. There's a, we've, we've got to get rid of this complete Greek thinking where the, the only things that are real are the things that you can see with your eyes. You know, this prove it to me mentality. I'm going to try to finish here in the next three minutes. As far as we know, dogs do not have imaginations. I'm sorry, every dog lover in here, they are amazing animals. Amazing animals, but with all the studies in the world, I actually uh, read this cool study from a, a graduate of Harvard while I was doing this teaching, who um, studied certain animals that lived in you know, communities for long periods of time, like parrots and chimpanzees and stuff. She, she wanted to know just how good their brains were. And her findings were that they could be taught things. Um, they, could, they could communicate, like some animals could communicate with each other. Uh, but much like men, it's only about avoiding danger or finding mates. Um, <laughs> 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 
But she, I mean, and she could even teach some animals to use tools, but no animals could invent tools. No animals, like, could project themselves into different situations. The, the reason being is because you, you actually have a soul. There aren't other animals with imaginations. There aren't other animals that can project themselves into different situations, conversations, places, fantasies, contemplations, daydreams, imaginations, and musings. Only you can, because it's a gift from God. It's actually that place of encounter. Your imagination may have been twisted at times in your life, but it is the place that the Lord is warring for, because it is the place where He's going to encounter you. Your imagination is to visions and the prophetic what your hands are to healing. You've been given this natural thing, just like this natural thing. But when you stretch out your hand, this boring hand that you've seen every day of your life, suddenly power comes through it and people with problems in their bodies get healed. It's the same thing with imagination. When you turn your imagination to the Lord, when you ask the Lord to sanctify your imagination, to start showing you things in the Spirit, that will be the touch point just like your hand is to healing. And He'll start to take you on incredible journeys. He'll take you places in the heavens. He'll show you future events. These, these are things that are all over the Scriptures let me tell you about some of our heroes. Abraham, he had visions. Jacob, he had visions. And they were recorded as eternal scripture. Moses had visions. Samuel, Nathan, Eliphaz. Isaiah. Ezekiel. Ezekiel had tons of visions. That was like his predominant gift. Nebuchadnezzar, he is an unsaved man, given visions from God. Did you know that there are unsaved people on the earth that have been given inventions in the spirit? Literal ideas from God. They go with, I mean, or in a dream at the night, they, they make this invention, make millions of dollars, and reshape the landscape of our society. Seriously. This is, this is for us, though. This, this is our inheritance. Daniel had visions. Amos, Zechariah, Paul, Ananias, Cornelius, Peter, John. Visions were so important that I can almost promise you that none of us would be believers right now had it not been for one vision. And Peter... It was during a time when they were wondering if the gospel should go to the Gentiles. They were even arguing, uh, do men have to be circumcised in order to be saved? Um, I mean, they, they, they didn't know if they were supposed to take the gospel outside of Israel, outside of the Jews. And so Peter actually gets a vision from God, and it's a, a sheet filled with all sorts of animal life being lowered down from heaven, and a voice says, go kill and eat. And what, what's... What's weird is that uh, Jesus had already declared all foods clean. So that's not what that vision meant. Peter actually came to understand that he, that vision meant, even though we, we think that the Gentiles are unclean animals, the Gospels come to them. 
That's a pretty big deal to entrust like the spread of the gospel of Christ to a weird vision like that, right? What if he got it wrong? Well, I mean, God's not going to do that, but you know what I mean. Like these visions are really important. The chances are none of us would be walking with the Lord right now had he not seen a sheep being lowered from heaven filled with animals. And today our approach to visions is like, that guy is a weirdo. A sheep being lowered down from heaven filled with animals? Come on now. You ate some crazy mushrooms is what happened. You know? <laughs> you didn't get enough sleep. This is something that the Lord has given to us. This is where I'm going to end it. Acts 2.17. Yeah. Tongues of fire dropping on everyone's heads. And then they're all speaking in tongues. And everyone from all sorts of nations are hearing them declaring the praises of God in their original language. And then Peter gets up. A bunch of people are saying these people, you know, those disciples are drunk. And so Peter gets up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And then he says, this, this is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel was saying. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Visions is, is, is like an inaugural point, or it's like the, the, the beginnings, the tricklings of the kingdom, the spirit being poured out on all flesh. It's a promise. Proverbs 29:18 says, "When there is no vision, people perish." And what that's usually interpreted as, and I love this, it's, it's a great interpretation, it's usually interpreted as, like, you need a, uh, a vision statement, or you need, like, direction, or else your people are going to perish. It's like a mission statement. I, yeah, I actually agree with that, but the, the actual word vision is a prophetic vision. It's prophecy. When there's no open eyes... When there's no one seeing visions, people will perish. See, we just want, um, we want our eyes open, right? We want the eyes of our heart open, just like Paul prayed. In fact, I want the ears of my heart open too, and the nose of my heart. If my heart has eyes, it's got to have a nose, right? Like, I want all of those senses opened up so that I can be the most world-shifting, crazy Christian history has ever seen. So that I can fully enjoy the presence of the Lord. So I can hear how He loves me. So I can understand what He's doing. Isn't that a much more exciting life? Don't you think that we should repent for, uh, you know, putting visions away on a shelf and giving it such a low rung of, you know, of importance? Don't you think we should, we should ask the Lord for the gift of prophecy again?